we're going to look at James chapter 5, verse 7. And I've entitled this message, Hurry Up and Wait. It's kind of, it's kind of been interesting to me how God has laid out these sermons through, through the path that, that my family and I ha have been on. And I want to talk to you about this issue of patience. I want to talk to you about this issue. What, it, what does it mean to wait on God? What does it mean to have patience? What does it mean to walk with Him, whether, whether, whether it's through difficulty or whether it's through, through the normal challenges of life? Because you know what? Sometimes I've heard people say, in fact is, I've said it. Sometimes I have said, you know what? It just seems like we hurry up and wait. You know, life is just like that. It's just like we just kind of hurry up and we wait. But the Bible starts talking about this issue of patience. James chapter 5, verse 7, here's what the Scripture says. He says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your heart. So all of a sudden, James, listen, James is like the New Testament uh, book like a counterpart to the Old Testament book, Proverbs. It's just very practical. And so he gives us some practical steps. He says, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another. Brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But, but above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall into further or fall under condemnation. And so I want to talk to you about this issue about how to have patience, how to wait, how to, how to wait on God for something, and how to wait in a, in, a, in a biblical way, because what James is indicating is this issue of patience doesn't come natural to any of us, that it's, it's something that is learned. fact is, I, I remember the story of, of Kenny Stabler. Uh, for, all, for some of you older football fans, more mature, wise like me, Kenny Stabler played for the, uh, the, the, uh, the Oakland Raiders, and he went from there to the, to the Houston Oilers is where I was living at the time. And then from there, I think he went to the New Orleans Saints, right? And so, but he was like done by that time. I mean, so the Saints did not benefit anything from Kenny Stabler at that point in his career. And so he went there. And so, but they told that, that, that his early in his life, it was just like, it, he lived life just, I mean, it was just like wheels off. In fact, as they would say that if you, if you took a ride in a speedboat, that when you got into a speedboat, there's like this gold sign on the dashboard of a speedboat that said, sit down, shut up, and hang on. That's how many people live life, right? That's how many people live life. Just, just sit down, shut up, hang on. I have my goals. I have my priorities. I have what I'm going to do. And so you, you just need to hang on. But James starts talking about actually there's another way to live life. There's actually another way to live life when we mature. The first one is this. If we're going to learn how to be patient, the first one is this, is life can cause us to be impatient, right? If we're not careful because of technology, because of text messaging, because of emails, that if we're not careful, we can get pushed into all the demands. And life can cause us, it can condition us to, to just be impatient. And so maybe, maybe we need to hear this, and we need to hear this scripture in such a way that we actually apply it to the pace of life. Verse 7, again, James said, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. And uh, you know what? It's, it's interesting to me that the season we're in as a church, right? 
I mean, there's some people because of this faith campaign and building this new building that it's testing your, your patience, right? There are some people that think, you know what, we'd, we'd already be in the building by now. Uh, we'd, we'd already be building by now. But when, when we began this process, we started this process without a deadline because we said there's just, there's just so many moving parts. And that he, he'll make a way. And so, but we had a schedule, right? We had a schedule of schematic design and we had a schedule of pricing. And we're, we're on schedule for that. Our, our architects have just recently finished schematic design, and now the contractor, uh, the general contractor, is going through the process of, of pricing, and we'll have those prices in January uh, of 2017. And so, and so we're on schedule, but, but some of us, it's just hard, right? We just live life, and sometimes we're just so impatient. And then, and then, then it compounds that as we look at the crowded conditions that we, that we that we minister under that we have. It seems like it even makes it worse because, or worse because there's there's church growth experts that will tell you that if you ever push a room over eighty percent capacity, that it's hard to grow beyond that. And 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 we do that like every 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 weekend. And many of you, many of you have changed services from, from some of the more popular services to the least popular services to free up seats so that people can meet Christ and find a seat at the more popular service. But it seems like it doesn't matter what we do. We're always out of space. And so maybe, maybe we as a church, we need this message. But maybe we also need this, this message individually. Maybe your family just gets on your nerves. And you're just quick. You're just quick to blow a fuse because of your impatience. And maybe they don't move quick enough. Maybe they don't move fast enough. Or may, maybe at work. Maybe at work you, you get angry but, and, and like lose your temper because of this issue of impatience. But listen, whatever temptation you face, would you consider with me today just the need for this issue of patience? Because it, it doesn't come natural to any of us, right? I mean, babies aren't born patient, right? When a baby doesn't wake up at three in the morning hungry and you say, hey, breakfast isn't till seven, go back to sleep. <laughs> they want to they eat now. I mean, we're not, listen, we're not born patient. Listen, if you just look at a definition, we're going to look at a Greek definition, but if you look at a definition of the word patient, it's the ability to accept d- delay without disappointment or, or, or graciously. But, but the Greek definition of that word patience is so much deeper than that. It would say this. To be even-tempered while enduring difficult circumstances. To be even-tempered while enduring trying circumstances. And so, so James encourages to be patient. The fact is, he, he's writing the, the original hearers of this letter are like first century Christians. And he's writing to these first century Christians and he's asking them to be patient because you know what? They're going through difficulty. They're going through trying circumstances. And so life was not, listen, life was not going smoothly for those that James was writing to. And so this group of Christians, you know what? The first century Christians, they're under great, great uh, pressure. They're under persecution. Uh, people are making their lives miserable. Some have lost families. Some have lost jobs. They've been, they've been uh, relocated other places. Some are, are facing death. Some are facing torture. And there's like this daily stress that, 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 that causes them or conditions them to be impatient. But an impatient with God and others. You ever notice that in life when you become impatient? 
You, you, you can direct it at God and others. And so James just pushes back and he just encourages them just to be patient. And he, and he reminds them, you know what, the, Lord, the Lord's coming is near. God has a plan. He, he's with you. fact is, all through the scriptures we find that the Bible encourages just to be patient in trying circumstances. I'm, I'm going to run through several just real quickly. Uh, if you're following in new version, they are all there. If not, you can take notes on, on paper. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. Psalm 41. I wait patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my, he heard my cry. Ecclesiastes 7.8. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is patient and kind, love, love does not envy, love does, is, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant. Galatians 5, 20, uh, 5 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. In other words, it's something that comes from God. Think of the men and women in, in Scripture. that their impatience got the best of them, and out of their impatience it caused huge problems between them and God. Abraham was not patient with, with God's promise that one day he would, he would have a son. In fact, is Abraham and Sarah, they, they won't, they, neither one of them were patient with that. They didn't think God was ever going to do it. And so, so Abraham goes and has a child with, 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 with Hagar, right? Remember the whole story? So he has, and, and Hagar... Gar, by the way, by the way, and it's so important, is an Arab. And so he has, he has a child with Hagar. And then in the meantime, Sarah, his wife, becomes pregnant. And she has a child. Oh, and she's a Jew. And you know what? It set up what we're dealing with today. The Arabs and the Jews will never get along. If you've ever wondered if the Old Testament is true, right there, right there, thousands of years ago is predicted that because of that, the Arabs and the Jews would never have peace. We're dealing with that today in our debates. We're dealing with that politically. We're dealing with that decision today. Moses became impatient with the oppression of the Israelites. And so he like kills an Egyptian and he's like on the run for, for many years. King Saul couldn't wait for the prophet Samuel to come and, and to offer a sacrifice and offer a blessing in battle. And so even though Saul didn't have authorization to do so, he offered a sacrifice. And as a result of that, God took away his, his crown. Martha became impatient with her sister Mary. Mary was helping with with, with uh, Mary wasn't helping with household chores, and so and uh, but and, and she sat and she listened with Jesus, and Jesus said that, that that Mary chose chose the better. In Luke chapter nine, James and John became impatient with the lack of hospitality of the Samaritans, and they got upset with Jesus. They asked Jesus just like strike them dead, just destroy them. We, listen, we can really cause problems when we're impatient and we're in too much of a hurry. I mean, this last week, I, you know, there's so much construction in Pueblo right now, right? And I, I'm sitting, in, I'm, I'm feeding into a construction line, and uh, there was a person that was, that was impatient. And when you're impatient driving, it can cause you to do some impulsive, uh, not-so-wise decisions, right? And so I watched an individual that was impulsive, and they're tired of waiting, and they took out some, some, some construction cones and then finally took out a car uh, because of their, their impatience. Uh, listen, there's some things that, that, that can condition us to be impatient, a self-indulgent lifestyle. 
can condition us and cause us to be impatient. That we, we've all, always had what we wanted. We've always gotten what we've wanted. And, and as a result of that, we can afford it and we can get it. And we've never had to learn to really wait and trust on God. See, when, when you're self-indulgent, we're, we're not accustomed to unfulfilled desires. And all of a sudden, you become addicted to like, like instant gratification. Um, we, were in, we were in Cracker Barrel a couple of years ago, and I saw this sign. It was hilarious. I should have bought it. Uh, it said, antiques made while you wait. <laughs> That's the kind of lifestyle we live in. Nobody wants to wait for an antique, and it's just made while you wait. Listen, a hectic lifestyle can cause you to be impatient. I mean, we, we Americans, we're, we're at rush for everything. And we rush out of the house in the morning, we come home, we eat in a rush, and, and we continue that fast-paced life, and, and we rarely slow down even we just, I mean, even when we're exercising, even when we're going for walks, we're like timing it and seeing if we're beating our last time and making sure we're burning enough calories and all of those other things. And so we have trouble waiting, right? I mean, someone sends you an email. If you don't rep re reply in a minute, they're like, you know, come on here. What, what, what's wrong? We got to go. We got to move. We got to answer this. We got to make this decision. And so a hectic lifestyle can cause us to be impatient. Uh, a, a mom years back told me a story about her eight-year-old daughter. And, and so her daughter was really hyperactive one day, and she, she like had it with her daughter. And she said she wasn't proud of it, but they had a really, really in their uh, large walk-in closet in the master bedroom. And so she took her daughter and says, I, I cannot take it anymore. You're in timeout. Guess what? You're in timeout in the closet. And so she put her eight-year-old in the closet, shut the door, and it was like quiet. She couldn't believe it. And so after a while, she got, she got nervous. And so she went, she opened up the door, and there was her daughter. And her daughter's standing there, and she's kind of just puckering up. And she's like, what are you doing? She says, I spit on your shoes, I spit on your dresses, and I'm waiting for more spit. <laughs> sometimes you know what sometimes that's how we that's how how we live life and listen patience allows us to balance our life the second thing if we're going to learn patience is this spiritual maturity can cause us to be patient this issue of spiritual maturity can cause us listen life pushes us and life can condition us to where we think impatience is just how you get through life but spiritual maturity can cause us to be patient in life verse 8 out of james chapter 5 you also be patient establish your hearts for the coming of the lord is at hand when you look at this word an established heart see there's something different about the believer with an established heart and a believer with an established heart they've already determined their priorities before a crisis ever comes they don't, listen, they do not allow circumstances to dictate to them how often they worship, how often they serve, and how much they press into him. See, an established heart is a person that decides that beforehand. See, established heart simply means to confirm or to strengthen, to make more marked by firm determination and resolution. Listen, uh, listen uh, a person, I'm telling you, a person that does not have an established heart begins to question God when crisis comes, when difficulty comes, when they're waiting. And they begin, to, they begin to question God. And if you're not careful, you become bitter and you become angry and you become resentful. A person that does not have an established heart has no priorities in life, no biblical priorities in life. And they will let circumstances and situations and seasons of life drive their level of commitment to the Lord. I mean, I, I've watched people come into the church, right? Maybe you have. 
You watch people come into church except Christ. And they're like new believers, and they go through difficulty, and they have to wait on God. And they get so impatient, frustrated. I've watched them go back to their, their, their lifestyle, uh, an old lifestyle. Listen, patience keeps me believing when there's delays and disappointments. Patience keeps us coming to church and worshiping and serving Him in crisis and in difficulty. Patience keeps me living a moral life and an ethical life. Patience keeps me praying. Patience keeps me believing that God's promises are true. That all things work out for the good of those who love Him. But we don't forget verse 29. Because He is making us more into the image of Christ. He's developing our character. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. I mean, it's the picture, picture of patience. He doesn't, when you have an established heart, everything changes in your life. Another thing, he said, a tolerant spirit. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another. Brothers, so that you may not be judged, behold, the judge is standing at the door. And then why is it sometimes that when pressure mounts and we get impatient, we look, for, we look for somebody else to blame? You know, some people, you don't mind waiting as long as you get to complain, criticize, and grumble about it, right? And why, why is it when we get impatient, we start looking for someone to blame? Maybe we're late, at, late for church, and so we gripe at other family members because they, they made us late. Or we have financial problems, so we, we rummage through the checkbook and, and see whose fault it is and finding someone to try to blame. And so, so James urges us, he just says, Qu just, just quit grumbling against one another. Quit blaming other people. Listen, if you need to be supportive of someone else, it is in time of adversity. It is in time of crisis. It is in time of difficult. Listen, nothing dampens enthusiasm like constant complaining and grumbling about people. And Jesus is the one that says, you know what, the way that they're going to know that you're mine is the way that you love one another. Here's another one. He said a controlled tongue. Verse 12, but above all, brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. It seems to me he's talking about truth and profanity. He just simply says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, so you're not condemned. One of the first reactions of a lot of people when they get impatient is that they, they use profanity or use four-letter words, and they kind of think that, that'll make it better. But is that really necessary in the life of the believer? Someone cuts you off in tra traffic, and, and we, may, we may not cuss at them, because we're Christians and we're not supposed to do that. So we just simply call them an idiot or a moron or stupid or they're, they're a fool. Or whoever gave them a driver's license. It may bring instant gratification, but it, did it really improve their driving? I mean, did, did their driving rapidly increase when you yell at them? I mean, if the car won't start, the lawnmower won't start, does it really help the car to start quicker when we, like, cuss at it? Someone says, oh, I had a Ford, did it help? But it doesn't. One, one, one quick story, the, the last, last golf season, I, I subbed for two different golf leagues in town. And I, I was able to meet, a, I met a lot of golfers, met a lot of people. And so finally, word got around that, that I'm a pastor. 
And I, I, they, they gave me my assignment to go to the clubhouse, and I didn't know the three guys I was playing with. I walk up to, the, to a tee box, and this guy, and I could hear him. It's like, uh, you know, hello, I can hear you talking about me. I heard one of them say, we'll use fictitious names, but I heard one of them say, hey, guys, we got the reverend tonight. And they go, Ricky, you're going to have to clean up your language. And so I'm like, hey, guys, like I can hear you. And so Ricky comes up to me and Ricky says, hey, Reverend, can I ask you a question? What denomination are you? I'm like, why does it matter? He goes, well, I played with this one Reverend one time. He told me the den denomination. I'm not going to tell you. He told me the denomination. And he said, so I, I didn't cuss for like three holes. Hole number four, that guy, that guy taught me some cuss words. And I'm like, <laughs> why did I even hold this back? So I just, I don't want to hold it back. If you're of that denomination, what denomination are you? I says, well, I'm non-denominational, but here's the deal, Ricky. I'm a no-cussing denomination. How about that? He made it about three holes, and he started cussing. And I'm telling you, it did not improve his golf game whatsoever. It, it doesn't help. So the last thing is this. If we're going to learn patience is this. Waiting on God is the result of patience. You want to know if you have patience? Uh, you, you, the identifying factor is this. If you're able to wait on God, if you're ever in that situation that you know what? God's the only one that can solve this. God is the only one that can take care of this. Listen, I, I, I told the worship team before we, we prayed for you guys before you arrived this, this evening, and I told them, maybe it's my age or maybe it's spiritual maturity. There was a time in my life it was all about the finish line. It was, it was all about, a con it, was, it was just that. And here's what I'm learning. It's not about the finish line. It's, it's about how you and I can glorify God in the process. It's how we can glorify God in the path that God has called us to. And you, you may not like your path. It may be a difficult path. But the real question is, is how, how can we honor him? How can we glorify him in the midst of this? Verse 7, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. It's so when you understand that, you know what, God, you're going you're gonna to have to do something. It's so when you learn to understand that you have to wait on God. See, the illustration that James gave is rain was important, especially the spring rain when it would germinate the crops. And, but it was the fall rain where it would make the harvest full. But between the two seasons, the farmer could, could work and cultivate the soil, but that was all he could do. And he had to wait on God to provide. And there are sometimes, there's sometimes, if we're honest, that we get to that place where we've done all we can do. And we have to wait on God. We have to wait on Him for that job opening. We have to wait on Him for those provisions. We have to wait on Him to solve that problem with a relationship. We have to wait on Him to answer prayer. We have to wait for God to do something. We have to wait for that, that surgery. We have to wait for chemo or radiation to take effect. We have to wait for a biopsy or test results to come back. We have to wait for buildings to, to be done, for him to make a way. We have to wait to become mature. And so you trust God and you trust God in his will that it will be accomplished and that, and that in that space, in that process, that he gives us grace Verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, 
Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And so you just take the prophets. You take Noah who predicted the flood and Moses who predicted the plagues and Hosea who predicted the coming of the Lord and Isaiah who predicted the crucifixion. It took a great while between the prediction and the fulfillment. Verse 11 in James, he says, he says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have been... Uh, you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. In other words, what he's saying, Job is like a classic example of this. Job was one of the wealthiest men in the Old Testament. It's estimated in today's currency that his wealth was well beyond $6 million, and he, he like lost everything. And he'd have insurance. He didn't have, uh, he didn't have insurance. He, he, he didn't have 401Ks. He, did, he didn't have any of that. And he loses his children. He loses his health. He, his, his wife said, uh, you know, I, I wish you were dead. Just curse God and die. But through all of that su suffering, you see that Job persevered. And he never cussed God. And you don't really even see him grumbling against his friends. And he didn't lose his faith. I mean, Job was the one that says, though he slay me, I'll still trust him. And James says, you see what the Lord has brought about in, in Job's life. And you, you see at the end of Job's life, you see it's unbelievable blessing. And so, so he points to like, he points to Job. It's, it's interesting, a worship song that is important to our family, but really important to our daughter, Brittany, is a song, it's out of, out of Bethel, um, that, that, that says, uh, it is well is well is well in my soul may not be well in my body right now but is well in my soul see patience gets that patience understands that just a few things that i've learned in waiting expect delays we just got to expect delays don't be surprised when people aren't on time i know it's frustrating i mean we live in a city now and we're dealing with traffic delays for the for the first time I live off of Pueblo Boulevard, and, 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 I, you know, and, and so I, I developed this, this principle of Pueblo that the shortest distance between two points is always under construction. Count on it. It has helped me. It has helped me to understand del delays and understand, you know what, I may just have to leave a little bit early. The second thing is this, is just learn to be creative with your waiting time. And when you have to wait, maybe God has you there for a reason. Man, Get, get the Bible, get, get, the, get the app, get version. You could sit there and life journal while you're waiting. You could sit there and read scripture. You could, you could life journal. You could listen to worship music. You, um, and, and don't get so upset with people when they're late. Sometimes those things don't really matter. Sometimes it doesn't matter who's late. What really matters is family and relationships. Learn to be quiet. You know, he says, just be still and know. Just be still and know that I am God. Solitude is still a discipline in the Christian life. I think it's one of those forgotten disciplines in the Christian life. It isn't really a sign of importance to say, I'm really, really busy. It's really a sign of importance to say, I have some self-control that at times just to sit and relax. We need to learn to be patient because God is patient. And if you're going to have a close relationship with him, 
we've got to be more like him. And if we're impatient, we really don't understand God. All through scripture, God is pictured of being patient, slow to wrath, slow to anger, patient, waiting for us to repent. I started asking myself a question. Is God ever in a hurry? It shocked me. I found a place that he was. It was a story of the prodigal son. His son took everything. Ripped the dad off. Went to another place. And the father is the picture of our father in heaven. And yes, he patiently waited for his son to repent. Like God does with us. He patiently waited for his son to return. And then, when he sees his son headed down the road, there's the picture of God running towards the prodigal. He is in a hurry. He is in a hurry. When we turn back to him to accept us, to forgive us. And even though God's a patient God, his patience won't last forever. And maybe tonight is the time for you to accept him and make that turn to him as he runs to you.